Good morning, everyone. The gospel continues um, the same afternoon. Uh, for the past three weeks, it's been the same afternoon. Jesus is on a mount or on the plain teaching, uh, giving a homily. And this is a continuation of this, and he's putting forth again his values uh, and his understandings, uh, particularly for those who will follow him. And this teaching found in today's gospel read um, is a very difficult one for everyone, and particularly Christians have a difficult time with it because he is saying, you will move beyond what the Old Testament has said, meaning the Torah, uh, which we heard. Uh, he said, I will expect more from you. You will love your enemies and pray for them. And in a time when sometimes it's hard even to love our neighbors, now he is asking for this. To love one's enemy uh, is to love the person or the group that intentionally has harmed us. And this is a very difficult thing. And the Lord is addressing something that we probably have all felt at one time or another, the desire for revenge. Jesus quotes an Old Testament, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And folks have used this in past times, this piece of gospel or in this piece of Holy Scriptures to justify that which cannot be justified, sometimes war, but also to justify retaliation, saying, in the Scripture, I saw that it says an eye for an eye. And that is what the Old Testament piece says, but people do not understand its true meaning. And this is where putting it into context makes sense. The context here, um, in particular, was meant when someone is in a fight, a physical fight with another, should one lose an eye? You can extract from that your opponent an eye or tooth if you've knocked out someone's tooth or wound for wound. And my friends, um, while that sounds really harsh to us, Moses was trying to get him to something. People back then would say, well, if you, if you harm me, if you broke my hand, I get to break both of yours and a leg, the revenge. So what that passage is actually teaching is restraint, to restrain oneself in a conflict and to try to prevent escalation. However, as it happens, that passage was used to endorse all types of revenge and retaliations. And so, my friends, when we get into this business of revenge, there's re retaliation, striking, retaliation, striking, and the feud goes on and on and on, and then the original harm that was done is forgotten. All they know is that they're in fighting with each other now. And Jesus will pull forth in his teaching, there is only one way to end this, to not engage in it in the first place. Stop the violence. And then he puts forth an antidote for it. It's called forgiveness. Forgiveness in today's culture can sometimes be likened to some type of a weakness, but for all of us who have had to be forgiven or to offer forgiveness, it takes courage, it takes inner strength, it takes maturity and spiritual fortitude. It is far from being weak. Consider what societies and our own personal lives would be like if we never forgave anything. 
if we remembered every hurt and every slight against us. We would be living in an emotional and spiritual desert. There's another word for it, but I won't use it from the ambo. But you guys can imagine what that would be, that word. It begins with an H. So my, and we would be spending so much time just remunerating what was done to us and planning revenge. Nothing else would get done but that. But revenge, at times, certainly hatred, is a poison to the human heart, to our emotionalness, to our spiritualness, even to our physical well-being. And my friends, I do think, generally speaking, folks tend to forgive and forget many things almost automatically. So what Jesus proposes here is something different, um, certainly at a more greater intensity. But what Jesus is proposing will require that we do so intently, deliberately, and very consciously. Otherwise, hate and revenge and retaliation will consume, consume the person who harbors it. Emma, I know we all know people who uh, refuse to forgive others. They remember every hurt done to them. But if we refuse to forgive others, we don't really harm the person who harmed us. We harm ourselves. Harboring such feelings destroys us, the person who will not extend forgiveness. And yes, naturally we resent a person who has wronged us in some way. And the Lord does not tell us to like it, but our response should not be fueled by the urge to strike back, but to do whatever is possible to diffuse the conflict so that everyone can move forward in life and grow. So my friends, I looked and I thought, the families are here. When, when a parent, when a child does something to the parent, I don't think the parent attempts to seek revenge on the child, right? Well, I mean, maybe the children will want to talk after afterwards. Father, I'd like to tell you a story. No, no. What the parent does is try to correct the behavior so the child will learn and grow and move and be happy. And they will teach the child. So my friends, the decision we make not to retaliate against those who wrong us requires us to be mature emotionally and spiritual. Spiritually, huh? And that requires skill, and it also requires grace from God. Jesus went on on that same afternoon as we heard to tell us that we must become perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And I know some people, when they read this, and like, that is unattainable. Uh, that is mighty, perhaps even naive of Jesus to request. But um, we have to take a look at that. And again, what was meant by Matthew? I went to John's gospel to find out what he meant. But certainly, when we begin to forgive, that is a sign of holiness. Our starting to forgive as God forgives us is a sign that we are becoming more and more like our Father in heaven. And my friends, again, forgiveness may or may not bring healing to the other person, but to the person who extends forgiveness, it does heal. It does set them free. St. John would tell us about God, and he helps to enlighten what Matthew was talking about, the perfection. He would say the perfection of God is love. 
So when he, Matthew says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, that was his, that's what he's talking about. Be perfect in your love. Be perfect in your forgiveness. Be perfect in your generosity. As Christians, we're asked to respond to the worst of things with the very best that is in us. We must imitate the generosity and love of God in our readiness to forgive and not to exact vengeance or to bear grudges against other people. We can make a decision to love someone even though we do not have feelings of love for that person. But I believe this only happens with God's grace that we can love in the way and to act in the way that Jesus asks us to do so. And my friends, tomorrow is President's Day, and uh, I thought, okay, let me look to see. And uh, after reading the scriptures, after listening to the, my pontificating, <laughs> homiling, should the Christian still harbor thoughts of destroying their enemy, perhaps? Instead, turn your enemy into a friend. I found this in the case of one of our presidents from a long time ago, Abraham Lincoln. While he was preparing, politicizing, when he, wanted, he was campaigning, someone attacked him during his campaign and at every moment of the campaign tried to prevent him from becoming president. What he did when he became president was took that man and put him in a cabinet seat. And his detractors said to him, why didn't you destroy your enemy? And this was his response. Do I not destroy my enemy when I make him my friend? Maybe this is something to look at, wise. And my friends, the other thing, and the children won't remember and teens may not remember this, but I think an illustration is on October 2nd of 2006, a 31-year-old father, husband named Charles Roberts IV, filled with rage and anger and desiring revenge against something somebody did to him in West Nichols Mine, Pennsylvania, took control of an Amish schoolhouse, threw out the male children but kept the female children in there, and in his rage and anger and desire for revenge and retaliation, he harmed them, ultimately killing five of the children. He would take his own life that afternoon. Great act of violence and only the beginning of what is becoming commonplace now. But what I want you to also remember was the great act of love and forgiveness that rose from that Amish community against the violence. That Amish community would go to the widow then of that man and his children and offer them food and money to help them because now the man was dead and there was no source of income for that family. But something greater would follow representatives of the Amish community where the violence happened would go to the funeral of the attacker, not to protest and not to be all woke, but to pray for him and to pray for his family, 
And before they left, they would embrace that woman and her children and offer again forgiveness and love. This is what Jesus is talking about, and I bring it up to you in case you say we can't do it. Yes, you can. On that October, the American nation watched not only the violence, but the response of forgiveness and love at such a great level that many said couldn't do that. I can't imagine how to do that. If they can do that in the face of such harm, can't we do the same when someone has harmed us to offer forgiveness? Amen?